little background uh, to our scripture this morning. Last week, David preached on Pharaoh's hardened heart. And this week, we'll look at Pharaoh and his magicians and how the magic, uh, the world cannot keep up with the power of God. But before our scripture this morning in Exodus 8, there are three situations where the magicians are able to keep up with the power of God. First, turning the staffs into snakes, then turning the Nile waters into blood, and then finally bringing frogs on the land. Now, it's worth noting that the magicians are only able to further uh, contribute to the suffering of the land. They're not able to alleviate it. Furthermore, when the staffs are changed to snakes, Aaron's staff swallows up uh, the staff of the magicians. So our scripture reading is from Exodus chapter 8, verses 16 to 19. You can follow along if you'd like, uh, beginning in page 54 of your pew Bible. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust to the ground, and throughout the land of Egypt the dust will become gnats. They did this, and when Aaron stretched out his hand with the staff and struck the dust to the ground, gnats came on people and animals. All the dust throughout the land of Egypt became gnats. But when the magicians tried to produce gnats by their secret arts, they could not. Since the gnats were on people and animals everywhere, the magicians said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he would not listen just as the Lord had said. Then continuing on in Exodus chapter 9, verses 10 and 11. So they, referring to Moses and Aaron, took soot from a furnace and stood before Pharaoh. Moses tossed it into the air and festering boils broke out on people and animals. The magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils that were on them all and all the Egyptians. This is the word of the Lord. When I was in seminary, I had the privilege of spending a lot of time between home and school on my laptop. Uh, it was a great technology that could do a lot of wonderful things that I used um, from class to home for taking notes to writing papers. And in the bus- busyness of a student's life, some mornings I would sleep a little later than I should and throw everything in my backpack and forget my power cord. And you have multiple classes a day, and then additional time in the library all on your laptop, you run out of battery pretty fast. So I decided to order a new power adapter. So I went online to the Hewlett-Packard site and found the power adapter that went with my computer, and it was $80. Uh, $80 to a student is a lot of money, so I decided to look for an imitation or a substitute. So I found on Amazon.com a substitute that only cost $25 that worked for the same laptop and provided power. So I ordered it and began using it. Now, the substitute didn't work as well as the original. It didn't always provide power. Sometimes the plug didn't fit just right. Sometimes it didn't even work at all. So I left it at home in case I needed the other power cord. And one night, while I'm writing a paper... Late in the evening, I started to smell the smell of burning. And then I heard sparks. And I looked down, and my power cord at one of the bends in the cord, 
the cables have gotten so hot they had burned through the casing on the cord. And now sparks were emitting onto the carpet in my room. So I quickly unplugged the power adapter, moved it away from the carpet and the wall so my house wouldn't catch on fire. And after I calmed myself down, I called Hewlett Packard for a replacement. Well, they directed me to look for the serial number on the product, which was not there. And when comparing it to the original, I noticed some slight differences in the labeling on the plug. I have discovered that what I had bought was actually a cheap substitute for the real thing. I was thinking this week of the many substitutes we use in our lives, uh, the many imitations uh, that we use as kind of a quick fix. And I kept being drawn to the many ways we have for weight loss, the cut rate diets, the painful surgeries, the machines that will actually massage your body when you're sitting on the couch to help you lose weight. But my favorite is the diet pill. Have you ever listened to the side effects for the diet pill? Listen to just a few of these. Uncomfortable cramping. Inability to absorb essential vitamins and minerals. Increased blood pressure and heart rate. Increased risk of heart attack. And wait for it, even increased rate of death. As I read over these side effects, I started to think of people weighing the benefits of losing weight to these extreme risks, even death. I had an uncle who recently got on a healthy kick and lost several pounds. And many of his associates at work would ask him how he did it. And he's a doctor, and so he liked to play with them. He said, I've discovered this great diet pill. And as he'd say this, people would lean in to listen to what it is. And he would say, yeah, it's great. It's a pill you take daily, and it's activated by healthy eating and 45 minutes of aerobic exercise a day. There's something about the fakes that we want, the shortcuts, the easy outcomes, the things that we can control. The real things in life, however, require time. They require investment. They require authenticity. In our scripture this morning, we see that the things that God calls us to are not quick and easy. We do not get to determine how they are, when they happen, or how they work. Like taking the shortcut for things in the world, we often want to take the shortcut and use substitutes for the real things, especially when it comes to the things of God. We try to reproduce the fruit, the outcome, the product of the move of God in the world. Now you see, the fruit is not what God is after. Never get caught focusing on the fruit. The fruit is merely a signal back to the underlying reality of the presence of God in our lives. The root, the foundation of our lives, is not the fruit. The fruit merely points to the tree. And God wants us with him. He wants us resting in him. We don't seem to want to take the time to get to know God, though. And I wonder why this is. Is it that we want control Is it that we want things when we want them? Is it we don't want to be dependent on someone else? Ultimately, the things that God calls us to are not 
a matter of reproduction or of fruit. They're a matter of the heart. This is the entire goal of God. He wants us with him. The goal of God is to reconcile all things to himself. But we fight this. We look to the use of substitutes. We want to get the outcome instead of doing the work of coming to God. Notice this is why Pharaoh uses substitutes to prove he can do the things of God on his own without coming to God, without depending on him, without having that relationship. And isn't this the desire of mankind to be independent of God? Look at Adam and Eve eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We want to be like God and be able to create the things of God but not come to him. Do you ever wonder about Adam and Eve in the garden with their relationship with God, why they wouldn't just come to God and ask him about the knowledge of good and evil? Look at the things that we use as substitutes for the fruit of God. Think of love, joy, and peace. Think of all the substitutes for these in our culture. The pills, the energy boosters, the distractions that we entertain ourselves with to keep us from dealing with the deeper issues, the issues of our heart. If I can just keep that radio loud enough, I won't have to be in the silence and think of what's actually going on. If I can keep the TV going long enough and keep myself entertained, I won't have to deal with the person next to me. We use distractions in our daily life to keep us from actually dealing with matters of the heart. But look at Moses. Moses comes to God. He sits and listens and waits. He hears God and follows his lead. However, Pharaoh will not listen to God. Instead, he seeks magic to produce and match what God brings. But just as we see in our passage this morning, the substitutes for God can only be kept so long. Eventually, they will wear out. Jesus tells a parable of a house built on a foundation of sand and a house built on a foundation of a rock. Picture these two houses. They could even look the same. They might be identical in, in size and shape, in decoration. But what we can't see, that underlying thing, is the foundation, which is so much more important. What if these houses were different? What if... The house built on sand was even bigger, more spacious, more majestic. Could you be able to tell the difference in the foundation just by looking at the outside of the house? See, these two houses, we don't know much about them. All Jesus identifies is the foundation. And he highlights that when the rains came, they washed the house built on sand away. Have you ever seen this difference in the world where the life of glamour, the life that everyone seeks after, when the, when the storms of life come, their, their life is washed away? If we think of Moses and Pharaoh this morning, can we see how Pharaoh's life seems more appealing than that of Moses? Pharaoh's king. He's ruler of the land. He has power. He has independence. He has control. The life God calls us to is one of sacrifice. 
It is one of submission. It is a life of coming to him. But it is real and it is true. And it holds up in the storms of life. It is a life built on God whose presence is stable, whose presence is eternal. The things of God persist even beyond this world. The things of God are not tricks or magic. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Whereas the substitutes for God, they come and go. See, the life God calls us to is a life of relationship with him, of dependence, of knowing him, of following him. It's an adventure. Look at the things that Moses gets to do. He goes and confronts a king. He invites him to let the slave laborers go from his land. He introduces miraculous signs and wonders over the people and then leads them into the desert. This is an adventure, but it's not always easy. God never makes promises that the life we lead will be easy, but he does promise us it will be full of his presence, his promises, and his grace. See, God is not a God of the outcome. He doesn't focus on the fruit, but he focuses on the heart. God focuses on our hearts and wants our hearts with him. If we are focusing on the outcomes, then we have focused on the wrong things. Can you imagine trying to recreate the things that God has done through Moses, bringing plagues on the land? That sounds exhausting. But as we rest and abide in God, the things of God flow out of our lives. We get out of the way. As John the Baptist said, I must increase I must decrease so he may increase. Just as my uncle said, I have a diet pill that is activated by healthy eating and 45 minutes of aerobic exercise. Well, I have a pill for the things of God. It is activated by spending time with God, by getting to know him, asking him questions of who he is and learning to hear his voice and doing what he calls you to do of being rooted in a community of faith in him. And as you step into these things, you will find that your heart is healed and set free. See, a heart set free and connected to God is what yields much fruit. A heart that knows God and hears his voice and follows that, that life yields the fruit of God. Shortcuts and tricks, substitutes and imitations, These can last for some time. And like a house built on sand can even look appealing. But over time, the storms of life will come and destroy that house. Building a firm foundation in the kingdom is a matter of the heart. Moses chooses God. Pharaoh chooses the magicians. The ways of this world are like those shortcuts that eventually wear out. They cause our suffering. Look at how Pharaoh's dependence causes his suffering and the suffering of his people. Our scripture this morning reminds us of the many imitations of the fruit of God that can replicate only in peril comparison for some time, but never last 
like the real power of God in our hearts. So I invite you this morning to ask the Lord to reveal to you the areas where you submit to him and the areas where you use substitutes and lean on invitations. I invite you to turn back to him in those places, to ask him to enter into your heart. I think you will find that he is waiting for you, that he's longing for you in his company to be welcomed into your life. And I assure you, you will find there is no substitute for the presence of God in our lives. Amen.